two, one. Welcome to Hungry Hip Hop, Potluck Style Reviews, where we dish out the freshest taste of what these artists are serving up. We're looking for the spiciest bars, vibes, and production in order to expand our palettes and diversify our playlists. So today we are doing the second part to our review of the recent latest Kendrick Lamar album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. So, uh, like I said, first time, our last episode, we did part one. We just did the first half of the album, or what someone could say, disc one of the album. Because there's a theory that it's a two-part album. I don't know if that's been confirmed by Kendrick and his team yet, but that the first part's missing around, the second part's the Big Steppers. And so we did a first, uh, I believe it's um, eight tracks or no, nine tracks? I think it's I think it's nine going up nine. until yeah, Purple yeah. Hearts. Yeah, we did a first nine tracks. Um, and... Yeah, I remember some of the ones we talked about that we really liked. I know, um, well, we cried together. We talked about a lot. Milo was not a huge fan of the song, but uh, <laughs> it was a very intense one that uh, well, I know me and Alan really, really liked. Uh, what were some of our other favorites in the first half? Anybody? So I really, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I really liked like Father Time and 95. Mm. I really liked those bangers. I even really liked, United in grief, and I I still think we cry together is like really fucking impactful. Apparently, they're dropping a music wanted... video, or they're about to. One of the two. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'll check it Kyrie's. out. Drops, mm-hmm. but but like, God, God damn, that was emotionally affecting. And that's not to take anything away from the music on side one. The yeah. like regular music, I think, is really good too. But we but we cry together is the thing that's got memed about the most from this album, and it's. Mm-hmm definitely been effective well about you milo yeah rich spirit was good die hard with blast was good father time was good and i believe united in grief was a let play there were some like other skips but they can listen to the first part if they want to know which ones to avoid yeah, for me, I thought United in Grief was definitely pretty good. Wasn't the biggest fan of N95, but I know that's like a big favorite that people have, though. And then obviously, We Cry Together was great. But there weren't a lot from this first half. So uh, who knows? Um, yeah, there weren't a lot from this first half of that album. So we're now going to do the second half. We're going to start with uh, Count Me Out. Yeah. All right. Correct. All right. Uh, Alan, how about you start us on that? So this is, I think Kendrick has a really good, like, not hook game, but a way that his voice is kind of unique, that a chorus really sticks in your mind on mm-hmm. a good Kendrick song. And on this, I love when you count me out. I love when you count me out. Mm-hmm. I I think in terms of a chorus and a hook, the song's really good. It's a pretty, like, if we're going to talk about it, as the intro to the Mr. Morale side of the album, I think it's really good as well. Cause it's not, to me, the focus of the track is less on Kendrick's problems, if that makes sense. And more about Kendrick's motivation and his self drive. And mm. I, I don't really know how, how to like, how to say, cause this is a pretty, this isn't the longest song ever, but, I just like the, the turn that this track takes us from the darker side of the first album and starting to get more of the motivated, waking up, ready to face his Kendrick problems type Kendrick. 
if that made any sense at all because it's a good shift into disc two and i think like i said if you're also getting a strong chorus and a good hook that's that's everything i need from the first track uh milo what do you think Uh, this one was not my favorite this was a skip for me i really i did i didn't enjoy the hook i didn't enjoy the I love when you count me out. Uh, fuck it up, fuck it up, fuck. I wasn't <laughs> bored with that. And the so just a heads up, we mentioned on the last part that Kendrick obviously Kendrick has a very delivery in his voice, but on this album in particular, if memory serves correctly, and I'm pretty sure about this, like there's a lot more singing from Kendrick or like semi singing, and this is one of those songs where his delivery is mostly done in the singing song, uh, a singing style. For instance, on the hook. It started off like this Duckworth style intro and you'll hear the, hear those vocals again. And we'll, we'll get to that song as we approach the end of the album. And as far as the production like that, and like nice gospel choir in the background, and there was a guitar, electric guitar with a really rude type of texture to it. And the song just goes completely acapella at the end. So compositionally, this is really well done. I just, wasn't there for Kendrick in this particular song the way like I would have preferred he rapped and had a better hook so that's it I thought that I was not the biggest fan of this song um I didn't really like the hook either that's kind of annoying me but I did love the singing in the beginning like in introing the song I thought that sounded really good um but yeah, it just it just didn't really do anything for me, and it was incredibly repetitive. <laughs> um, yeah, like I just don't have much to say for this song. This was one of the ones that like felt like filler to me. You know, um, maybe I just didn't get it. Maybe forever we just was not connecting. Like I did say in the first half of this uh, review, I did feel like a lot of the production of this album was lackluster, and so this could have just been part of that for me. But yeah, don't have much to say. I guess um, technically this is supposed to be an intro to a, a B-side. Like if you had a vinyl right, you flip yeah. it over. So yeah, that could explain why it wasn't suit and it didn't have a huge impact. Because if I remember the lyrical content basically sounded like your typical, what is it in Peter? Like gold is forged by fire or whatever. Mm. Alan, am I, is that, I know you you have like genius out when you listen to the music. So like, what, what, wait, what? We were talking Say about the lyrical content, and I know you pay like extra special attention to it because you'll have like the lyrics out while listening to the album. So is that the gist of what the song was talking about? Was I correct? Do you remember? I I kind of read it just as well. I don't know. Like I I I don't want to come across like I'm someone who knows what all of this is about because this is a this is a dense album right mm -hmm. but to me one of the most important parts of this track is just at the start of verse one one of these lives i'm gonna make things right with the wrongs i've done that's when i unite with the father's son till then when i fight rain on me the blame on me got guilt got hurt got shame on me got six magazines that's aimed at me just to me that's that's what i was kind of getting at with what i was saying that Kendrick is, this is the point where Kendrick has a character turning point and he's going to be able to confront his problems. So I see this song as the first step on that journey towards self-actualization or like the goal that, that he's been working towards in his therapy with Eckhart Tolle. 
um, is kind of the the thing that I kind of get out of this track. I hope that answers your question is kind of how I'm viewing it. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot much better description of. Yeah, that's not like a really good description. <laughs> um, all right, next track is Silent Hill. Okay, so this was the track where for me, where I actually noted, this is the first time I actually noted in my notes, this album needs better production. Um, this, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, I don't, I didn't feel Kodak added anything to this feature. Um, Kodak didn't really sound good to me. This isn't like Kodak's like, when he's in his bag or how he really raps. Um, it sounds like he's put on a beat and topic that like, really isn't him. And I don't know, like sometimes Kodak gets deep and shit, don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't know, to me, this didn't, it just, I know it didn't really work for me, but. So just real fast, after this one, uh, Crown was actually the next track. So once Wait, we do what? Silent Hill, we'll. So ahead, Crown we'll get, was we'll the... get Crown after then. Yeah, so just to make sure that we do Crown after Silent Hill. I thought we just did Crown. Yeah. We did Count Me Out. No, that was. No, we no, did no, Count no. Me Out. Yeah, no, I love when you count was, me out. That was Milo gave his thoughts on Count Me Out. And then he asked, and then he asked me for some clarification. And then what I just said was about Count Me Out. Oh, that's why I fucked up then. I was given my opinion on Crown. They just blended together. No, 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 so no, no. Know you felt no, I, no, I just blended them together. You're right. That's my bad. Holy shit. In the middle so of the like, indication how you <laughs> felt about both of those songs. That's what, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's just in general how I felt about both of those. But then we could go back to whichever one we need to. Yeah, they both did not shit for me. Um, Okay, let's just finish Silent Hill, though. Yeah, um, yeah, no uh, Milo, thoughts on Silent Hill? So you mentioned you used the word annoying to talk about the, the hook on Count Me Out. I think yeah. that while I didn't like the hook on Count Me Out, this one was even more annoying. The push season was off me like, huh, like it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't giving. And then the, once again, and I know I've made this criticism of Kanye West. As a matter of fact, um, in the Kanye West podcast, we talk, I talked about this in 808s and Heartbreak. So I guess it would make sense that I'm saying the same thing about Kendrick now. But I just, the singing is not always hitting for me when, when Kendrick does it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, the feature doesn't add, it doesn't add much. I don't really value Kodak Black that much as an artist in general. There was like one song, on Future's album where he did a good hook, maybe maybe Future's album. So overall, like the feature wasn't bringing anything. The hook was really like repulsive. And I would have liked the rapper to actually rap on this one. Mm-hmm. So it was a skip for me. Alan? I'm, I'm so surprised that you don't like this, Mark, to be honest. This yeah. is, if you... If you put in Mark type beat into YouTube and like <laughs> Mark type flow, I, I think you'd get something at least kind of similar to this, right? It's 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 like Kodak and Kendrick aren't afraid to do do some kind of weird, but and then like ooh, and then like ooh, and just I. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're what you want from Kodak. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> everything else, bro. Like, have you have you heard any of Kodak's music? Like, dude, I love, than... dude, I love at least ten of his songs, bro. I love a lot of his songs, but this just ain't it, bro. This was a fail. I yeah, you think I mean, you I... mean like eh. <laughs> it doesn't work, bro. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, since <laughs> since Milo, you brought up Kanye, like it's crazy to me that someone who loves Lil Wayne has a problem. With someone making uh, weird random noises. I didn't say. Along with oh, the oh, oh, Milo. Sorry, okay, you're talking to Milo, not me. Yeah, I didn't say. Yeah, my bad. Both. Well, both of you guys had problems with that, and that. I don't have problems with that. Me. I don't have problems with that. I have problems with the verses. Actually, that's kind of funny. But like, uh, the verses are just kind so of. You like the though. part that is that I was like. <laughs> it's okay, funny. I don't like it. Sonically, least... I don't like it. I just think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like, okay, like I was saying with that first track off the second half i think this is i think this verse does a really good job of kind of humanizing kodak black where mm. on the first half of the album he's he's kind of as bad as as his reputation makes him out to be but a big mm. part of the message of the record to me is about how you can't really judge you can't judge people in the culture looking at it from the outside and so mm -hmm. i think what kendrick was going for on this track was to have kodak talk about it like his come up and how he had to talk about like like the suicide cube coop was a funeral track hawk launched like a slingshot big old ruby ruby diamond on my finger that, that bitch looked like a ring pop and then after that he goes into this whole thing about how how hard his life was growing up like he was getting fed by the Red Cross and then like how big of a deal it was to get this Kendrick feature. I, I don't know. I've never heard, I personally have never heard Kodak just be this, like tell a coherent story in mm. this way and like follow a narrative. And to me, it's similar to how Tyler did with young boy, how mm. just like, and, and obviously Mark, you disagree with like, you think, that the young boy was really good on that track. Mm. I think both of them are both really good on their tracks and both of them kind of get reached their potential with, by having these artists that I, that I kind of view a little more highly than Kodak and then young boy and Tyler and then Kendrick, like bring the best mm. out of them, you know? Um, yeah. I, I like the I like this track a lot. I'm very I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you, Mark. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Dude, the line where Kodak says, uh i'm the type to get my shooter whacked like why would you say that bro like, like, that's crazy like why would why would you put that out there like who's gonna work for you now like <laughs> <laughs> this is that's insane <laughs> um also just speaking of people who say crazy shit in their song sorry real quick y'all been following that queso shit with his dad bro no i don't know who queso uh is was like, Chief. oh, dude, getting ratted out by your dad, dude. His dad, his own dad, is snitching on him because they're both on trial for a murder, and his own dad is gonna is gonna roll on him and snitch on him. That's crazy. Your father, imagine your your father, bro. Like your father, like you can't trace a soul in this world if your father rides on you, bro. Well, I mean, That's his crazy. father is it didn't raise a murder, like didn't want to raise a murder, didn't try to raise a murderer. Yeah, he did. His father was a gang I mean, leader. He, he definitely, yeah, he his father was a gang did. leader. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. That changes things. <laughs> his father was the leader of the gang. <laughs> uh, anywho, sorry, but yeah, crazy story. 
Um, next one is the Savior interlude. Oh, are we going back to Crown? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Go back to Crown. Somebody else talk about it because obviously I got nothing to say on it. So, so the production. This basically this whole Crown production. It's a skip. Just listen to Hero by Regina Spector, or go watch Five Hundred Days of Summer, and you can get the, the same effect. I really wasn't feeling the. I, I really wish we would retire the phrase as a society, the whole, uh, what is it, heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's I don't overdone. think it's chose, it's just heavy is the head that wears the crown. Heavy, right? yeah, okay, yeah, heavy. I think he says heavy is the head that chose to wear the oh, crown in the song. Awesome. Okay. But it's basically just a remix of heavy is, et cetera, et cetera. And whatever, just throw it in the box of cliches. So that's pretty much all I had to mention about crown. It's five minutes of Hero by Regina Spector. Who's Regina Spector? That's a very deep cut that I don't think most <laughs> of the listeners of this podcast, all Which, nine of them are going to hear. Well, they'll know 500 Days of Summer. They should, you know, Oh yeah, AGL, I so. really don't. I really don't understand how this is like 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> no, I mean, so they can hear the song when, you know, he goes to the, the little party and they'll hear the song. Oh, 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 you don't mean like the message of the movie. You mean like the Regina Spector song is playing in the movie. Yeah, if it's too much of a deep cut, they'll, they out there, you can go find it there. <laughs> okay. Dude, man, you, think, I, you think people would have made a connection? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> 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 this yeah. nigga, bro, I swear to God. <laughs> you make life so much harder, bro. Like, what? <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> I gave you everything. I gave you the song title, the artist's name, a you movie to find so him in. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, an actor. Anyway, Alan, what you uh, did you you liked Crown? Yeah, I I I don't know. I don't see. I don't think that this is similar to that, really at all. I think I think the song is so unique for what for what rappers normally do. It's it's not like look at me i'm at the top flexing it look at me you're putting me on this pedestal and i can't please everybody i'm never going to be that person that savior to you and that's again a huge message of this album that like kendrick made you think about it but he is not your savior and it's and i mean even before we listen to this album milo you criticize like you've always had an issue with how like me and mark and really how everyone really puts Kendrick on this pedestal and I and Kendrick's the only Kendrick's the only one who would like acknowledge that he's at the top but then also make a piano based ballad about how much he doesn't like that and that he views himself more as Kodak Black than Tupac you know so this is I, I don't know I think this is a really unique left turn in the album and I think it's something that I mean every other rapper wouldn't wouldn't try to do this the only person who would try to try to sing like this would be like maybe kanye but i don't think kanye when he does has come across this well normally like i yeah i completely disagree i think crown is great i understand it's kind of slow i understand it's a piano ballad and kendrick is not the greatest singer in the world Mm -hmm. for sure um but i think it's unique i think and for this album i think it works well Mark? So lyrically, so when you put it like that, like lyrically and you know, content-wise, it's definitely it's definitely unique. And it's really I would attribute that to 
Kendrick having an incredibly unique level of um, an incredibly unique level of uh, self-reflection, you know, and um, and understanding. Like he's like more than most people. Uh, sorry, self-awareness. Self-awareness. I'm thinking of. He has more self-awareness than I think your average person. Of like his very first album was him recognizing, even though you know I made it out okay, and you know I didn't like really join the gang life. I could have easily been one of them easily 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 um seeing all the other people in my hood do it and he's just like really really self-aware of now him as rich and famous and everybody like unanimously loves him unanimously type typically puts him as like number one rapper and shit um and like people are expecting a ton out of him like people really wanted him to drop an album during like well i mean i guess damn came out during trump but like another one like a little bit further into it and like really like talk about more of the shit that was going on but like he was gone for a while and so yeah i don't know um but then tonically like you said he just it's a piano ballad where he's kind of singing he's not the best singer and it's just kind of like <sighs> i don't think he would have taken this risk doing something like this on tip of a butterfly i don't think he would have mm. well he might have done something like this on damn but like this is a type of album or type of music you put out when you feel like you already accomplished what you needed to accomplish like this almost like sounds like a victory lap album but like not in the sense of like it but it's not a victory lap it just sounds like a uh a a not criticism but a um commentary a commentary, yeah, commentary I think on, a way to on it. its career so far um you know I disagree uh, which is uh oh okay we can look at you nigga let me do my part um you know something that eminem does you know eminem made his career off of was commentating on his career something that tyler made his first half of his career off of which was commentating on his own career um and so um it's not like it's not a known thing but I, this is what this album feels like for kendrick whereas the first two albums or the first three didn't feel as much like commentations on his career as much as just him and his life this one feels like a lot about like him and like musically and what people expect of him musically so and socially but yeah he's miles he's all sweatshirting Oh my god that's what this is and the i'm not that talking you use about that as a negative it's ridiculous no it's not one of the I, best rappers ever and that's because you're jumping ridiculous. to conclusions i'm not talking about his delivery style or his like the poetry he's doing i'm talking about what he's doing to himself uh, i think that he's yeah, exactly i think that he's gotten to a point where he's people have elevated him to like this height and he personally doesn't like that so what better than to feature as you know alan criticized him for someone with a really controversial background on your album and then air all of your dirty laundry about like how you like come out your pain when you sleep with white women and all these other like really intimate confessions and there's another really controversial decision he made on this album that we're going to get to as we go song by song i think he's hoping it's like a defense mechanism that before he gets canceled, he is going to kind of pre-cancel himself. That, but now this is all a bunch of like, it would take a long time to actually like prove this with rigor. But that's what that's what it's giving. He's that's Earl sweatshirting. That's kind of well. I mean, 
I don't know about the Earl sweatshirting and like self-destruction because like Earl sweatshirt literally tried to lower his stance in his career like actively. I don't think Kendrick's like actively like trying to lower where he is. I think he's just saying like, I'm not everything you're going to want me to be though. Whereas like, like Earl was like really, really, really actively like pushing people away from him. Uh, Kendrick just seems to kind of be taking more of like a Frank Ocean of like ducking out, but like coming back in or whatever. Um, but the whole thing of pre-canceling himself before he ended up getting canceled, that that's interesting. I, I don't know if I agree, but that's an interesting Alan theory that I could... not agree. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but, def- I definitely don't like that description. But I just... I, 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 the, the idea of, like, him making it known that, hey, like, we all make mistakes. Trust me. We all make mistakes even me and you know when that does happen and to people who's already happened too like we got to be gracious we got to be grateful and now once again that that's not necessary for him to do because even if he's not talking about himself necessarily there's a ton of other black men who he loves in his life who are treated very negatively for the thing bad things they have done you know and once again proven with the r kelly and x thing and with spotify that he td said that td said they were going to remove kendrick's music if they didn't put R. Kelly and X back on this playlist. So, um, so yeah, so I'm not saying I agree with it, but I do think it is a theory you can make out of what the, he talks about in this album, theoretically. But Alan, you don't agree? No, I, I think that talking about pre-canceling yourself is a little more self-focused than I think Kendrick is trying to have. Kendrick's not trying to say in this, in my opinion, like, I'm actually a horrible person, so cancel me. I think it's, hey, I'm kind of just like everyone else, so stop hyper-focusing on me positively and stop hyper-focusing on Kodak Black negatively because mm-hmm. we're kind of parts of the same of the same cloth. So I wouldn't say it's, you need to come out here and cancel Kendrick because he said, because he said on one thing that he, like, hate fucks white women and that he... And that he said faggot on his album and he got Kodak Black. I think it's it's more he about it on his album? Oh, he does. Oh shit, I forgot about that. He, he says it. We'll yeah, we'll get to I, it I later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot. but it's definitely more of a hey, I'm part of this thing that you're criticizing so much. So please don't put me on this pedestal more than it's I'm actually a bad person. Cancel mm-hmm. me. It's it's less about trying to like have that much attention on him, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Earl Sweatshirt wasn't trying to tell the world he was a horrible person either, was he? No. Like, but pre-canceling doesn't need, need to literally mean, like, I'm, I, pre-canceling I just, just means, like, taking me out of the spotlight. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh. I don't... You I kind of see that differently, that... then. That's a different... I wouldn't call that pre-canceling. I would say pre-canceling is taking me out of the spotlight and fear that something's going to come out or negatively happen in the future. I think Earl was just like, I don't like being famous. Please stop. Okay, then, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a w- better way for me to put it because I don't think Kendrick is ever under the same... Kendrick is, like, like obviously Earl's very famous, but Kendrick is already way past the point of ever not yeah. being discussed <laughs> yeah. you know earl when he tried to do that like, still, still could theoretically be do that kendrick is is way beyond that and i think this album is coming from a place that 
to like make this album, I think only Kendrick would be able to make it given his prominence in rap right now. Um, and it, he and the fact that he's the one to give Kodak some credibility says a lot because he's the most credible person. The fact that he's going to be the person to stand up for trans rights in rap is important because he is basically the highest up rapper. Mm-hmm. And so I think one thing that I appreciate about this album is how it means a lot because it's coming from Kendrick, someone who could be at the top and could just, he could give us anything and we would, and we would eat it up. And he kind of knows that. He's a go. I guess the appropriate segue would be to talk about the song savior, which has an interlude just like all of the lights, all the lights. The interlude, I don't have much to say about. It was like, what, two and a half minutes, just a bunch of violent stabs. And uh, the substance of it was just a rehash of like the hardships that the speakers been through. But I know we talked about that other interlude. So maybe y'all had more to add. Um, Yeah, so I'm torn. I'm very, very torn. And here's why. (sighs) Baby Keem is on this. A fuck with Baby Keem. Baby Keem's lit. Baby Keem's flow is dope. You know, Wait, are you talking about the interlude or the song? The interlude. Okay. Yeah. Baby Keem's, you know, little flow is dope. You know, you you are Yoko ever stole from you. They have the Christmas? Oh, hard, you know. But all this being said, Pete was kind of boring. Like the the, the piano, whatever behind it, it was like. Like, I don't know, bro. When you gave BB Keem like this long, like good of a verse, and like, I don't know, like, I don't know, bro. You like, there's enough slower ballads on this album to where it's just like, it's not like, like, typically hip hop would like have mainly a rap. If it's a rap album, it's gonna have mainly rap and then a couple slow ballads here and there to mix it up. But this is like half, bro, like half, if not more, or like very slow ballads with like shit. And I don't know, like, for, especially for like someone like Baby Keem, who like gives out a lot of energy, is known for being really hype. Like it sounds good sometimes too when like you put them on like low key stuff. But for this, I just thought, I don't know, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a waste of a really good Baby Keem verse. You had a similar reaction to Denzel Curry, if I'm not mistaken. That was one of your big okay, criticisms of his. Yeah, it was. It was melt my eyes. Yeah. Alan, how do you feel on this? Well, see, it's hard. It's hard for me to say that I disagree with you too much because I don't. I don't come back and listen to this too much. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not a very fun listen, obviously, and it's a very different vibe than Baby Keem's given you. But, in, but if you're going to enjoy this album as one whole cohesive thing, right? I think this is really important in the way that the the main the main like the main part of it is Eckhart told in the beginning if you derive your sense of identity from being a victim let's say bad things were done to you when you were a child and you develop a sense of self that is based on the bad things that have happened to you and so now <laughs> so now you don't expect baby keem to do something fun you don't expect yeah, yeah a melodic blue blue type thing and so to me the rawness of having him do almost a spoken word Mm. a spoken word poem was very powerful 
and I, I, I just, I, I get, I'm trying to, to give you space, Mark, because I understand what you're saying. This isn't a fun listen. It's not, it's, and it's, especially for baby Keem, it's not a fun listen where his music is very about having fun and being kind of mm-hmm. wild. Uh, but to me, this is powerful. This is, and just like, I mean, just like Kodak's verse a couple songs ago, I, I think it's more about his come up and more about why you can't view Kodak and Keem some kind of way. And even though baby Keem doesn't have the same problematic history as Kodak does, he's still part of that same culture. And so I, I get what you're saying, Mark, but for me, this was, this was powerful. This was, and to be fair, this was even less catchy and hook driven than the Kodak part. From yeah. a couple of songs ago, this is like really a spoken word thing. So, so you know what? The, I get putting you. It, putting it that way, I would have been the song in itself is fine, but as I would also mention, half this album was fucking slow ballads. So, if this song, if this would have been an actual rap album, and then they would have put this interlude as like one of the couple slow things in there, that would have been dope. Then this would have fit perfectly. But when you have slow, slower song, slower song. Then this interlude, and it's just kind of like, all right, dude, like it doesn't it doesn't break or change the pace and have the effect I think it could have had. That's yeah, why like I would never come back to this. First four songs, I, Count Me Out, Crown, Silent Hill, and then this. It's four, yeah, four it's of those interludes. Like back to back. Back to back well, to back. I mean, but that's but that's the but that's the difference though, is I, I'm surprised that you really didn't like Silent Hill, especially Mark. And mm. and because I liked it and I just that's just one thing that you should know about this album. Kendrick asks a lot of the listener. He asks mm-hmm. you to pay attention for a long period of time without like catchy bangers. Yeah. So I I think that Kendrick he definitely saw this kind of criticism coming for this part of the album, and it's a choice that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, for Maybe me, it's, it's purposeful. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not banging the accent. Yeah, <laughs> and it. And it does like in my theory of why it's not working for you and why you're having more trouble with the mark is because Silent Hill didn't didn't yeah, like really hit of... for you the same way that it hit for me. And that's and that's fine. That's a criticism you have. But I will say for me, I'm still in it at this point. I'm still mm. I'm still paying attention to Baby King's verse here. Milo. I made my brief oh, remarks. Okay. Well, do you, want, actually, you want to start with the next song then? The actual song? Yeah, I actually think the actual song, Savior, is way more interesting than the, than the interlude. Fully agree. I think it's definitely a cue up. It's The energy is great. I love, I love when they can make drums feel like heartbeats. And I also love when the drums sound like they came out from under the bed, like you're lying asleep at night dead silence and then all of a sudden <laughs> the way he like it just focuses in on focuses in on his voice at the beginning of the song and then those drums come in and he goes off excellent loved it i also really like hooks that ask questions that i think people ask themselves on a routine uh, basis that's why i really enjoyed the jack harlow song young harleasy um am i fancy enough am i dancing enough and blah 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 uh, in this one, it's just the hook is basically just Kendrick and his, I guess, baby style voice, or maybe, maybe that's baby Keem. Maybe somebody else is doing the hook, but the hook is basically just, are you happy for me? Smile on my face. Are you happy for baby me? Baby Keem and Sam do. So that hook to me, it's not, it's nothing special. Like 
it's it's definitely not the motto. Now you want to vote or you already know, but the question I think creates a connection that makes me really appreciate it and the fact that it's refrained. So this is definitely a hit. Lots of energy, really great hook. And then the actual content that Kendrick is talking about, that line that he, what was that? I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically somebody was talking about how the vaccine or the, the pandemic was faked and then they got COVID and prayed to Pfizer for healing. Like lines like that really sell it. So it's selling on content. It's selling on production. The hook is great. And the features did nothing to bring the song down. So mm-hmm. it's a solid. Alan? Yeah, I mean, I, I like this track too. That that whole thing was kind of kind of wild when he talked about the vaccine. Like yeah. seeing the Christian say the, vac- the vaccine bear the mark of the beast. Yeah. Then he, then he caught COVID and prayed to Pfizer for relief. Then I caught COVID and started to question Kyrie. Will I stay organic or hurt in this bed for two weeks? That was and I good. Don't know, yeah, and that's and he's only he's only hinting, right? But does, yeah, does that do that gives the vibe scene? of like Who were knows? you were you listening to Kyrie over Pfizer? Yeah, <laughs> like and then and so that was just kind of wild. And then also when he says like that someone pray like prayed to Pfizer, I don't think that he views like his views are kind of like this is another example of Kendrick having a problematic view that he didn't mm-hmm. always just like go right for the vaccine like he probably should have you know and Um, i like that that's only one part i also i i also really think this hook is one of the more memorable ones on the album when baby king's like but are you happy for me yeah are you happy (laughs) for me (laughs) like is like something about baby hook and baby hook baby keem in that bag just works really well on hooks and there's one there's one more there's one more thing I wanted to oh another line that kind of hit for me it was one protest for you 365 for me oh I and love just like, that that's a fucking and bar it, dude it's and it and it really reminds me of how much people during the start of the pandemic and during like the George Floyd protests where's Kendrick Lamar where's Kendrick Lamar people were yeah. fucking playing all right where's Kendrick Lamar no and, names no names call out. No, no name literally called him out. Also, mm-hmm. also, this is like Kendrick responds to like drama on this album. Yeah. Like, more than I saying. ever would have expected. Yeah. And, and that's and that's kind of interesting because I've never because he's like an elusive person, you yeah. know, and it's it's interesting. He'll and he'll talk about on the on Auntie Diaries another another drama that's been heating up for a few years now. But <laughs> but on this one. Yeah, Kendrick's real, and I appreciate that this is a song that that after the Savior interlude, I Mark, I feel you. Like it gets it gets kind of long. So having a mm-hmm. having a baby keen catchy ass hook is mm-hmm. is a good way to pull people back in. So Savior of the real song is a big thumbs up for me. Um, these lyrics here. So this is where I'm talking about where Kendrick is like highly self aware. And like he's just really in his bag on this one. So like Alan, you already mentioned the whole vaccine thing, which I thought was great, right? The one protest for you, this is five for me. Like I'm not saying it's a shot on no name. I don't think it's a shot on no name, but I do think it is. Like y'all don't understand. Like y'all here fighting for black rights for you know day. Like 
I'm sitting here trying to craft something that will change how Black people act in our entire culture or how we, not even how we act, how we're treated, how people recognize us, you know? Like, my music is getting to the ears of people who fucking, like, matter like you know uh, to say better or less um and so like he's i just it feel like he's just on a different level for what he's fighting for and how he's fighting for it um so i think that was kind of cool and then i also think in the third verse where he comes and he says uh oh, i love the sign capitalist posing as compassionate be offending me oh my um, god yeah I, that's such a bar which imagine once again at someone at his his level his net worth whatever he's doing he's probably getting a lot of really really rich people who think like oh we're, i'm really nice i'm doing this or that and he's just like the fuck out of here bro like i know all y'all i know this whole fucking game i see it right in front of me right now um and this whole thing you know being middle of being manipulative such an acquired taste i rubbed elbows with people that was for the people they all greedy I rubbed elbows with people that was for the people. They're all greedy. Pibs basically just saying right here, like, oh yeah, no, I've shared dinner tables with other protesters, other, you know, activists. I've shared tables with all these other people. They're all greedy. They all want money. <laughs> like, yeah. I can just say like, don't let any of these people be your savior. None of these people should be your saviors. Like powerful. So yeah. Thought this was a good song. Um, the next one on to okay. So here on okay, yeah, let's just do the next song. Uh Auntie Diaries. Uh Alan, let, I want you to let's let you start. <laughs> God damn, that's like just talking <laughs> about Auntie Diaries. It's if any of you haven't like haven't heard about any of this controversy. Uh, this is a song Kendrick wrote about his his aunt who transitioned from being from being his, his uncle when 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 they were young, mm-hmm. and it's I I can't like the first time I heard this I was honestly very very taken aback and surprised I. I think that it took me up until getting into the end of the first verse mm-hmm. to feel like, oh shit, Kendrick is talking about his like his trans his trans aunt and his his experience growing up with how his family treated her and how how Kendrick sort of like wasn't wasn't really straight up the most homophobic person ever, but you know, he was had some problematic views, especially growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically, like, around the worst the use of the word faggot. And I don't... And there's been a lot of kind of controversy around him even, like, invoking that word. Mm-hmm. I, I view it as positive in the sense that that is a word that, let's, let's be honest, a lot of people said... A lot of mm-hmm. people threw that word around all the time. Tyler. And <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, if you've ever heard early Tyler, you've, Tyler, <laughs> you've heard that word. And it's another, another thing that I really admire about this album is that this is not a song that I think goes over well mm-hmm. if Kendrick was not really the highest, like the, the goat. I don't think... Yeah. You can't make this if you're not at the top. 
yeah, it would come, come across in kind of a, a I don't want to say virtue signally kind of way, but it would it would kind of feel like you're trying to get some cloud based off this. You're trying to build some controversy. But I think in the context that Kendrick has been setting up all album that I, that I have some different opinions on things that you might disagree with. And through this time, it's been it's been all about how you should you should be cooler to these black men. You need to respect these black men rappers more. You need to, mm. um, this is even bolder talking about like how much trans rights is an issue right now, like in particular and how like rap, rap is pretty homophobic. I'm going to rap has a problem with homophobia in general, mm. I would say. And I mean, it's, it's changing and it's gotten a lot better since back in the day. But in my opinion, this is, a really impactful statement and the song itself is really good it's not it's not hooky it's not one that i'm going to throw on all the time obviously for multiple reasons that it doesn't have a super catchy hook but in terms of a storytelling song that kendrick usually puts at the end of his albums i think i think this is one of his best ones in the same way that that a lot of like I don't want to say this is the blacker the like the blacker the berry mm-hmm. of this album, but this is the closest thing that it, this album has for me That's in terms kind of, of fair. In terms of like being at the end of the album, in terms of not having a very memorable, strong chorus and hook, but being something that's so prescient and kind of powerful and one of the highlights of the album for me. Um yeah, I really like this. I think this is, I mean, and obviously it's a song that agrees with my political views, so bear that in mind, but I don't think mm-hmm. you should take away from that. It was really good. Mark? Um, There's a lot in this song. Like, a lot. <laughs> a lot to break down. I'm not even going to go out in one big take, but yeah, like... I didn't, yeah, I didn't even want to do go too deep, yeah. Um, yeah, dude. So, like... There, he addresses multiple things. Wait. Real fast, we yeah. made this two episodes, so I feel like you should feel free to. Yeah, but I'm, I'm like, like, <laughs> let you speak, and then I'm gonna go back in. I'm gonna let you speak. I'm okay. Go back in, like, so that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like we can talk about this how much one. It's just like a lot to digest. But like, even in just this like first verse, right? The very first line that Kendra starts out with, like not in the song, but in his verse, very first line in this song he starts out with is, "My auntie is a man now," you know, which is just kind of like. When I when I hear that, I think of like this, like you know, kid just trying to recognize, like, oh, my auntie's now a guy. Well, how do what I don't how do I comprehend this? Like, I don't I don't know where this goes in my head, type thing. And then the next line is like, I'm old enough to understand now, so he's older, blah blah, and he just kind of starts going through this whole thing of like how how his auntie, you know, now man, and like how. You know, the personality kind of changed or this and that. And he's like hooking up with all these like women and shit like that. And what I find really interesting in this verse is every time he says my auntie is a man now, he then switches to using a different pronoun to describe this person. So he starts initially with describing the auntie as a her. And then when he says my auntie is a man now, he then starts describing as a him. And then after saying it again, he goes back to her and then again back to him. Um, 
And uh, the last part of that verse where he says, I asked my mama why my uncles don't like him that much. And at the parties, they always want to fight him that much. She said, ain't no telling. Niggas always been jealous because he had more women, more money, more attention, way more envy. Calling him anything with broke was less offending. And so she's just saying that like, oh, they're just jealous of your uncle for this and that. But, you know, the older he gets, the more he's recognizing, oh, this was on some other shit. And so... And then, yeah, and the second verse is where he drops the F-bomb constantly saying how it was used as comedic relief. Um, I think I might have even mentioned it before, but, like, if you, like, watch the trailer initially for uh, The Hangover, where he's just paging Dr. Faggot, like, that's in the trailer, you know? Of the, of the like, movie hangover. The Hangover? Yeah, huh. The Hangover, yeah. Um, and, like, I remember it was, like, the funniest part. Of it. We were all, everyone's cracking up. I'm like, anytime it was used, it was always for, like, comedic relief. Like, I rarely ever heard it, like, really like meant to like sting people like almost like the same word the word niggas use but almost just like kind of like comedic relief a lot but obviously just a little bit sharper typically um and kendrick kind of kendrick says like how we just used to say all as kids but like we didn't know any better we were elementary school kids with no filter you know um and uh yeah, like he says, he grew up loving his auntie and all this other shit. Um, and then, uh, yeah, second verse, I don't know, there's a, it's a lot to go through, but second verse, he starts uh, talking more and more about, like, calling this kid in middle school a faggot, and then, like, I don't know, shit got intense, he changed his gender, like, I don't know, some other shit. But then he ends the entire song then talking about the white girl on stage, which I thought was great, amazing. It talks about this white girl on stage at a show who, um, uh, uh, Henrik invited her up. Well, yeah, he invited her on stage. I don't know if it was a Coachella or whatever, but like, I can't remember what song it was she was performing, but she was performing a song. And while she's a good performer of the song, she's using the actual lyrics where she says nigga a ton in the song. So she's rapping nigga on stage. And then he's like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> she's like, what, what, what? And he's and like, she said, he's like, you can't say that. And she like realizes, oh my God, like she didn't even realize. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get off stage, right? Um, and I remember when that happened. I'm like, no one like blinked Kendrick. Like it was just like, oh God, you know, it was kind of like a trolley moment, whatever. But Kendrick, you know, is sitting here and he's just like trying to like, you know, parallel these two examples of him using the effort as a kid and then her, you know, saying nigga. And it's just kind of like, both of them are using these words with misunderstandings of what it really means to people, you know, who are affected by this. And, you know, they're using mm. it for, you know, whatever, either comedic relief or just cause you were taught this with no filter or because it's cool a song and people, you know, think it's okay, whatever, you know. And he's just saying to truly understand love, he had to switch his position. And the last line he says, Faggot, 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 we can say it together, but only if you let a white girl say nigga. Wild. Wild way to end the yeah. song. Wild as shit. Um, but yeah, I skipped over like a whole, like, basically, second, third verse. We were talking about more shit about shit. But yeah, Milo. Crazy that a song this dense, this one's only like five minutes. Whereas, uh, what is it? We Cry Together was like six minutes long. And then the mother i sober is like seven minutes long mm -hmm. so uh, this is pretty dense and still manages to be brief in comparison to the other dense songs on the on the track so this is one of the more poetic songs 
I think that the poetic value of like the structuring and the delivery and the subject matter is what people are going to come here for. I don't think it's the production. The production is pretty minimalistic. It's just like, like chords Mm -hmm. and the delivery. It's his typical, like, so he's rapping on this. There's like, there's no like singing, but he's, he's rapping like really quiet and really calm. And then is the like subject matter gets more serious and he starts getting more and more excited toward the end. He starts crescendoing with the music and raising his voice. And that's what I mean by this is like a poem. This is a, mm-hmm. like a, that's what you would do with like a spoken word performance is that sort of dramatic crescendo along with the crescendo of the music. Mark already mentioned the hook. My auntie's a man now, da, 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 da. And then yeah, the F slur like a bunch of times. So this song is a skip for me in the sense of like spiciness. As far as artistic value, I think that this has a lot to offer. I think this has a lot to offer in terms of artistic value. I, in fact, I think it's better than We Cry Together. There's just one. It's a skip for me in terms of spiciness, and it's a skip for me in terms of the, in terms of the, the F slur. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really like the hugest fan of Tyler using it. And yeah so i think that was quick quick question quick question it's probably maybe we're going so do you think that even regardless of like the message almost like do you think like uh the end doesn't justify the means kind of like even regardless of the message he's getting through that that Mm -hmm. using that word was not acceptable i no i i don't think that like you don't think that is and you agree or sorry be clear say what you're saying or feeling (laughs) i don't want i mean how can i put this if he wants to use the word that doesn't free him from the consequences of you using the word it i mean it's his song to write Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess he felt like it was going to add some artistic value to it but if it is a complete miss and people don't like it, then he has to live with that. Mm-hmm. Like he, you can't debate someone into believing, no, 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 I did. It. I had really good intentions when I used it. If people aren't liking it, then people aren't liking it. Mm-hmm. So I think from a business perspective, it was a hugely bad idea. I, I think there's an argument that there's no real uh, narrative value that it adds to justify putting it in there when it, it's very likely to repulse people. So if I had been like the producer or someone in the room, I definitely would look at like, how much does this actually bring to the story that we need to take on this obvious risk, obvious risk of there being huge controversy around it. So I would have, if I had been in the room, I would have really tried to get him not to make that call just from, you know, a streaming uh, album sales perspective. Mm -hmm. And there was another, Oh, like, so there was another thing we didn't mention. So, Caitlyn Jenner is the name. And I wonder also why he felt the need to, you know, dead name that person. Wait, where, what point did he do that? There are just a lot of, so he, he mentions Caitlyn Jenner. I can't remember the lyric exactly. Alan, do you have, do you remember the exact bar? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he says, uh, Demetrius is Mary Ann now. I mean, he's really Mary Ann. Even took things further, changed his gender before Bruce Jenner was certain, living 
living his truth, even if it meant to see a surgeon. See, that's another decision from like someone in the in the writing room as why. If you have a pretty reasonable like knowledge to knowing that would offend people. Like what what was the artistic value there? Like what did that lend to well, the narrative? Did, can anyone tell me? Okay. I, I very, very much disagree with you on this a lot. Okay. What are your um, thoughts? So first of all, I think that the point of the, the Bruce Jenner line was about his 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 aunt was starting to transition before while Bruce Jenner was still known as Bruce Jenner. So for me it's not so much of a dead naming thing as a hey my uncle and who's becoming my aunt was doing this before the most high profile trans person came out when everyone only referred to this person as bruce jenner so for me it's not about dead naming but more about like this is an event of the timeline and it's really brave that my that my uncle did this when it was even more not not cool to do during this time during this time before before caitlin jenner and then as far as and as far as the word faggot goes, it's I think that if ever there's a time to grapple with are with how much rap and how much people used to use that word. And I think that that discussion should be should be had. I don't think that not talking about it and pretending that that never happened is very helpful. And I think it's actually pretty big of Kendrick to be able to say, I said this word a lot when I was a kid. And I think for. For someone, let's say, let's say you were at Kendrick's middle school and now Kendrick Lamar is the biggest rapper in the world, but you remember Kendrick calls you faggot in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Like, I think him, him being willing to admit that on an album now that he's the GOAT rapper, I think that's very brave and I think that's really admirable. I don't, I think that we shouldn't just go around using that word just whenever but if ever there was a time to talk about it and this is an album all about Kendrick examining how he's not the best person about how he's not a moral upright standing person all the time I really admire that he's talking about this because because have have you listened to an album from the 2000s like that word was fucking common dude Mm -hmm. everyone said it and Mm -hmm. it's just you know it's not seen as cool anymore and probably someone will get offended, but I would be more willing to bet that if you're if you're someone who's part LGBTQ community, and well, I shouldn't put those words in your mouth. I think if you're someone at all who listens to this album and you see what Kendrick is trying to do, I think it's for a lot of people, it's going to come across as really brave that Kendrick was willing to like talk about that problematic usage more. And if I was a producer for Kendrick, I would probably say something like, Okay, you know what you're doing by saying this this word, but and it's going to cause controversy. But it's going to be it's taking a it's taking a real risk. And I think Kendrick didn't want this to be the most perfectly like he's not trying to present it as I've always been the person who's not homophobic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I said this word too. And since this is an album about me owning up to my problems, I'm going to tell you that I said this too. It's not that everyone else was homophobic to my aunt, except for me. It's I was homophobic towards my aunt at one point, maybe a little less so, but I was also homophobic towards other people that I knew. And I even called them faggots. And I think that that's a really brave, powerful thing to admit up to. So the controversy is there. I admit it. 
I actually quite admire it and think it's brave. And then I, if, if other people don't like seeing that, or especially people who are part of the LGBTQ community wrong, but I really see what Kendrick was going for. And for me, I think it worked really well, especially if he's going to talk about bringing that white girl up and her saying nigga, like, like, that's another way that Kendrick could tie it in. And I think Kendrick wanted to also talk about that. So for me, it's if ever there was a time to use the word, this was the time. Question. Just real quick, just real quick. I had a question. So would it be the same? Two questions, part two. So one, you could actually say, in a way, that's looked at as pre-canceling. If you want to go back to that argument that Milo was possibly pondering, was the idea of like... um if in elementary school, there's this person or middle school, it's like, yeah, no, Kendrick called me that word. He was saying all kinds of stuff like that. One day that might get out eventually. Kendrick goes in ahead of time and says, hey, I did stuff like this in the past. This is who I was. This is who I did. This is what I did and what I said. And I'm coming clean about it now before anybody could like try to like push it on me later. Once again, not saying that's a thing, but this could be used as evidence in the argument. That's another thing. What I actually want to ask you, though, is now if a white rapper did the same thing with the word nigga or nigger, would you feel the same? That if a white rapper was saying, trying to come about, like talk about his past, of like growing up in the South and like blah, 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 not growing up South, growing up wherever, but like using this word and like making like these racist jokes or whatever, like he's older now. So now he's come to the realization that like this and that, you know, but when he's actually rapping it, he's using the actual words. Like, would you, do you think he gets the same pass? This question's directed at Alan, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, I thought it was directed at him. I would say, oh, I would no, say no. Um, no? Okay. no, I mean, why? Because, because in the 2000s, like, I, I already, I already viewed saying the N word as something that's really like a step beyond the F slur already at that point in my opinion i think that and that's and maybe that's bad but i think kendrick has to has to own up to that but i also will give him i also give him the credit that like that that's what rap cult that was part of the culture this is an album about the culture you know yeah. and how you can't criticize the bad like not that you can't criticize but i'm but, saying what if another artist came from a culture where that was acceptable in their surroundings they grew up in like backwards white ass like hey neighborhood where like that word was used pretty often it see it would just like <laughs> it, it it would not it would not be i would not give it that same path because i already thought that because a, a large part of what I'm saying is just that that word was used commonly, mm -hmm. like growing up during that time. But I know white people, friends now my age who say when they were kids, it was used commonly in their neighborhoods from or who were from the, the N word South. or the F slur. The N word. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jack Harlow. I'm like saying if, like if Jack from Harlow the South, drops like, a song, it is common as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Talking about how he grew up in Kentucky and people use that word. Mm -hmm. All yeah, his friends used I, I it. Think it wasn't a white rapper but if it was like a white person doing like white music i might feel a little better about it but if like 
if Tom McDonald said it, I'm not. <laughs> I, I would. That is, I, but that's the difference. Is Tom McDonald is still racist and still doesn't have like black people's best interests at heart, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Where Kendrick, I like a big part of it too is I think Kendrick is doing it from a genuine place of empathy. Mm-hmm. Where, hey, I have this aunt and I want to own up to something that I was saying. And let's say that that white artist, like, had. Let's say it's an old a white black artist, girlfriend or black, and black yeah, he wife started whatever. Got a black wife, or he had a kid who married a black person, or something. Mm-hmm. I think that if they did like a country song and they said, "I used to say this word and I want to own up to that," I would, I would count that as pretty brave. I would. Not a white rapper who's like appropriating fucking black culture. <laughs> And like, that's 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 a little wild for me, but that's a I like that comparison. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why I, I was just, I was just curious. Um, Milo, you said you had something you wanted to. So with the Caitlyn Jenner thing, it sounded like he, he's speaking from the timeline, like he's speaking as that person as he was. Stamp. Well, Alan's the one who's as right. that. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm saying. That like his his was transitioning before Caitlyn Jenner like when Caitlyn Jenner was just known as Bruce okay you know so that's a that's a literary device of having the character from that timeline speak and then use the use the terminology he would have used at the time that's the question I'm one I'm asking and as if I were in the writing room I would be posing is that is that literary using that literary device like do we really need to in the same way i guess i'm confronted in the same way that adam driver was in black Klansman when he had to actually say the n-word and they had to coax him into doing it like they had to seriously talk to him and get him to the point where he was comfortable saying that word because at least in adam's mind he felt that you know we can do this by avoiding that at the time so I'm not criticizing him for having the convo. The question is, can we have the conversation without the F slur and without using literary devices like, you know, having characters from the from the past speak in those same terms from the past is what I'm and what I'm saying. But it, but I know Caitlyn Jenner, if you asked Caitlyn Jenner what she was doing in 2002, she would say Bruce was living in L.A. Is that's from that, like interviews and you that's that's how caitlin jenner literally talks about herself she speaks of bruce as a different person who because bruce won olympic gold medals you know and that's not something that caitlin jenner just wants to completely erase from her past you know that's something she's very proud of but she just says bruce won those you know so she can still feel like mm-hmm. she's still an olympian right is how she actually frames it herself. Okay, I can totally understand if you want to accuse me of being difficult right now, but what if the Mean Girls effect plays into that? Because there's a, I think we've both we've all seen the movie Mean Girls, and Janice Ian Janice Ian makes a joke about her friend Damien, who happens to be gay, and there's this kind of observation like, well, maybe it's only okay when she jokes about it. So when Caitlyn Jenner refers to her former name. I wonder if that is, is yeah, that an now invitation? I, now I think, 
Okay, now I think you are looking for something to be mad about, if I'm being honest. And I think you, you kind of know that you are. And I don't know about that because, last part, but I'll drop it then, if that's the case. Well, I'll give you a genuine response to it. Kalen Jenner just doesn't want no one to ever think of Bruce and for no one to think of what they were doing before they transitioned, right? Like, that person still existed. So, they, like, to me... When someone says, when Caitlyn Jenner says Bruce won those medals, that's how people should refer to that person. Because it's not that well, this person only exists to me, you know, like she still wants Bruce's accomplishments to be acknowledged. And like that's so I, I personally don't think that there's any any problem with mentioning Bruce Jenner in this song. Um, and we're also hyper focusing on something that's very small question within the context of the song for films like django or 12 years a slave do you agree with the white character saying nigger in those movies are you asking me are you asking alan you milo i as i mentioned prior uh think that the narrative value that it offers to the movie outweighs the impact of the word so yes i I would agree and that's all I'll, i'll say about this matter any further Wait, you will agree that, sorry, say that. They can use the word, yes. Okay. Because of the impact of what they're trying to say. The, so the, means, the, the value means just, that it adds to the story. The means justifies the end. Or the end justifies the means. I, I wouldn't phrase it that way. Yeah, so, so ends, ends justify the means. If you somebody could demonstrate to me that it meets the definition of that, yeah. then yeah. Know, I would agree. But off the top I, of my head, I wouldn't phrase it that way. Okay. Yeah, you, you guys, you guys are in agreement. It just it's that's such a weird way to frame it, Mark. But yeah, okay. I think you guys agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. See, this is why we like songs like this. They bring discussion. Um, oh, yeah. perfect. So yeah, a lot of this song. Um, uh, well, Milo, actually, just on last point of the song though. Uh, what do you think about him using the example though of the white girl on stage, like? Like, or one, did you, did you, do you remember that happening? Like prior to the song? I saw the clips from the concert. Yeah. From forever ago. What did you think when you first saw it? What did I think when I first saw it? Yeah. I, I personally just felt secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. For both of them. That was, that's (laughs) what's coming to mind. Yeah. No, same. Um, I, it's weird. Cause like, I don't know. I assume so. I naturally assume, especially if you're a white person that listens to a lot of rap or hip hop, I assume you say it. Like, I'm sorry. I, I assume you do. I assume when there's no other black people around, maybe even other white people, I assume that when you're by yourself and you're listening to Migos, Future Drake, whoever the fuck you're listening to, I assume you say nigga. And you have no, and you, in my head, you have no reason to bleep it out. And so if you're by yourself and you're rapping it, or like maybe you're like whispering under breath, whatever, you know? And so, when she said it on stage live, just hyped. Like, I'm I'm not surprised that she said the word. I mean, I'm surprised that she said the word, but but not that, like, I'm not surprised that I think she says it normal, like, normally. I think that's true. I'm surprised that she didn't think to put a filter on on stage. Like, I know you're in the moment, but, like, 
I like, I would never forget that. Like, that's crazy. As a white person, you could be in front of me, a crowd of thousands of people and just forget, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't say nigga on stage. Like that's mind blowing to me, no matter if you're rapping a song or not. So it seems like, like if I was in church and they put on like a future song or something like that, I'm going to be sure I'm not going to say something like crazy ass shit or whatever, you know, like, or you're around your parents. You're not going to like, you're going to like filter yourself. I don't know. To me, it was just wild that she didn't put a filter on. Um, but I'm not surprised at all that she actually like uses those words when rapping. I think I personally believe the vast majority of white people who listen to rap probably say that word when no one's around. Um, Alan, you saw the clip originally? Yeah, I, well, I remember that whole thing going down. Um, well, we already had this struggle earlier on this podcast. So like, what do I do about saying the N-word? Because I honestly like, I'm I'm Asian and white, mm-hmm. but I like, don't say that word ever um mm-hmm. i'll just speak at someone and that and like i've only i'm still trying to get past like when on this podcast when i when i'm reading lyrics and it just like i have to say it to make the flow work you know mm-hmm. um and yeah i i guess all that to say i kind of disagree about white all white people well i'll actually only speak for myself mm-hmm. it's it's even when I'm just listening to music by myself or if I'm like singing with an old rap song, I, I kind of skip over the N word just, just kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just my experience. That's fair. But I do remember to answer your question, that whole thing going down. And I kind of feel bad for the girl because mm-hmm. you, sh- I saw you showed me actually an interview with Schoolboy Q. That's like where he says, if you come to my show and you're white, you could say just, just yeah. say it because it's part of the song and you're paying to come see me. And I appreciate that. I've seen Schoolboy uh, Q say that. And I've seen G Herbo say that in an interview too. I've seen, I mean, I think I've seen more rappers, but I've seen at least those two say like, if you're at one of my shows, like, and the music's pumping, I'm not going to expect you to not say the part of the chorus that I'm hyping everyone up for. Like you're, you're a fan, you're paying for it. You enjoy my music. You say, you fucking say it. He's like, no, nah, I can't say how other people are going to react. <laughs> He's like, they can react however the fuck they want to, especially if you do it outside the show. But like in the show, like I ain't gonna do shit. I'm cool with it, you know. And and I think I think part of this song is Kendrick Ignault. Like I think Kendrick more feels that way now mm-hmm. than he did when that event with the white girl happened, which mm-hmm. was years ago at this point. And so again, that's another reason why I think this album is so much about being introspective and about Kendrick learning, is that he probably views that situation a little different. It kind of feels for the girl that. You know what? What is she gonna do? Is she gonna awkwardly just like be hella hyped up for most of the song and then like not, yeah. and then go back to it immediately? Like that's awkward as fuck. So, so I don't um, know. I I think that all of this is another reason why I think this song is so powerful. And yeah, yeah. And last thing, do we can move on? Sorry, I'm going on this lot. But he says uh, the last few lines right before he talks about bringing this fan on stage. He says something that oh, so he says. See, I was taught words was nothing more than a sound. If ever they were pronounced without any intentions. This was literally, quite literally mm. Tyler's argument. 
in like 2011 when Goblin dropped and he was getting a lot of interviews. People were like, why do you use this word? Like, like if you're not homophobic, like why do you do this? And like that's, this was quite literally his argument. He was like, they're just fucking words. He was like, they mean nothing. He was like, he was like, they only mean whatever power you want to give them. He's like, when I say this word, he was like, I'm not talking about a gay person. I'm not talking about this. He was like, I'm talking about like something I think is stupid or ridiculous or whatever, or however the fuck I want to use this fucking word. And so like, that was Tyler's whole like rebel stance of like, they only mean what they want. So I'm gonna say it however the fuck I mean to say it, you know? And this is literally Kendrick Omar addressing this over a decade later saying, this is what we were taught when we were young. And Tyler being a young 18 year old in LA says, this is what I believe. You know? So like, it completely makes sense that like, yeah, when you're young and you're a kid, you know, you're taught like all these words are like, they don't mean anything or whatever, you know, you can just go and say it. And it's not until you get older, because as you see, Tyler doesn't use it anymore. Kendrick doesn't use it anymore. Like as they're getting older, they're realizing, damn, these words have a much bigger and larger reaching effect than I really realized, you know? Um, and even though, even if it wasn't my intention, they have, you know, more pain than they can realize so i just when i read that i thought that was crazy that like literally 18 year old tyler tyler said this was my belief and now kendrick is saying years later this was what we were taught when we were kids like both confirming the exact same thing for the exact same word too <laughs> um but yeah powerful song auntie diaries definitely one of the more controversial songs on the album uh next is mr morale milo thoughts yeah i don't have a lot of thoughts it's a skit the if you've heard pray for me off of the black panther album the beat might remind you of that and it it ends with talking i it's not really a skip it's definitely not a cue up but if it comes on i'm not gonna i'm not gonna turn it off so i guess technically a let play Mm mm-hmm it's milo i definitely i definitely can see where you're coming from on this one it's not like i mean the end of this album all doesn't have on purpose it doesn't have really catchy choruses and it doesn't have like banger type production but i all all i can really say is that verse two on this when he's kind of talking about like he really gets into what I think the last couple tracks of the album are gonna be gonna be really about like when what, where was he talking about? Okay, yeah, what do you know about black trauma? FNN's kicking back in another game. Tyler Perry, the face of a thousand rappers, using mm-hmm. violence to cover what's really happening. I know somebody's listening. Like this is like I mentioned that the first track on this side of the album was a transition this is a transition into in my opinion the darkest part where Kenner's going to say some really really heavy stuff on this next song and so i think this track is kind of getting us in the headspace of like okay we're going to get into like sexual abuse pretty Mm -hmm. soon on this and in terms of just like getting us ready for that and not just having us go into mother i'm sober completely with like completely off of nothing i think mm-hmm. it's kind of setting the stage and it's not trying to draw too much attention to itself so it's not milo i agree with you in the sense i'm not going to come back and like really listen to this that often but 
Like, if you're listening to Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers as a whole, like I think it's meant to be listened to, it's it's an important part for me. Mark? Yeah, like, I, I feel the same as Milo, but I agree with you that, like, this isn't something I'm really going to come back and, like, listen to. But, like, this is definitely, yo, prep for the next song. Um, and, yeah, uh, yeah, see, he, he brings up R. Kelly again um sharpen in multiple swords in the faith i believe i think about robert kelly if he weren't molested i wondered if life fell him um uh i wonder if oprah found closure the way that she posted the hurt that a woman carries um and yeah like you said what you know about black trauma fnn's kicking back is in her genre tyler perry the face of a thousand rappers and they're talking about tyler perry on the oprah television program opening up about his childhood sexual abuse um and you know Tyler Perry the face of a thousand rappers and he's going to get into that on the next song as you kind of mentioned um um but yeah he's really 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 digging deep into black trauma I mean the whole album really in my opinion could be if if there was a theme to it it, it, you could just say black trauma I mean it's definitely more nuanced than that um but uh Black trauma, I think, definitely is uh, a, a, a entirely. I mean, fuck. Actually, I might be. You could theme that for his whole goddamn discography, but like, um, very specifically in a different way. Does he talk about it on this album? But um, yeah, sonically, I honestly don't really remember too much about this sonically. Um, but like, yeah, lyrically, it's there though. You know that I'll save it for after we finish talking about all the tracks, but. What you said there really made me think about made me think about something about the album as a whole, but that'll be a surprise for after, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so we just move on to more Dark Silver. Yeah, let's go. All right, uh, all right, Mother Silver. So I told you already how this I think is this album, Mister Moran the Big Steppers, is. I said this on part one that I think this is. Kendrick's worst album so far, which still is, I mean, means it's like a seven at the least. But uh, I, I do not think it's as great as the other albums. Um, I don't think it's as consistent as the other albums. I still feel that after, you know, a week or two later. That being said, I think Mother I Sober is a top five Kendrick Lamar song easily. Um, I think this song is perfect on almost every single fucking level. I think sonically, it is beautiful. It hits the, it hits the nail right on the head. I think the fucking sample or whoever that for girl is singing in the background fucking hits the nail right on the head. Kendrick and like the vocal inflection Kendrick uses almost like, it's almost like a survivor's vocal inflection, like right after some trauma and you're trying to like tell the fucking officer like what happened or something. So, like he's using this like very like um, soft, very like gentle inflection that like it's very powerful for the lyrics he's, the things he's talking about. Um, and he says some really intense things on this song. So like, this is like this is a, this was a song that was hardest for me to listen give a second listen to. Um the what was it? Uh We Cry Together was like crazy. But like I could I could listen to it like multiple times. I just kind of have to like prepare, like, oh, it's gonna be like intense, you know. So uh say Auntie Diaries, like, oh, it's gonna be intense. Mother I sober, like 
it's hard. It's really hard to listen to that song more than a couple times for me. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really, especially with some of the things it talks about, like impacts me personally. And so like, it's just, it's a really, really, really emotionally tough song. But I think out of all the ones that are tough on this album or even his whole discography, I think this is one, one of the ones that was best executed by far, in my opinion. Um, I have high, high, high praise for the song. Um, I haven't even gotten to the lyrics yet, but I'll keep getting into that later. Um, Milo, what what do you think on this song? Yeah, I'll just keep uh, keep it brief because the song is uh, one of the longer, one of the seven minute ones. So if you had to think of like epistles on this album, so there would be We Cry Together, Auntie Diaries, and then Mother I Sober. There might be another, another epistle now purple hearts doesn't really count because that was more poppy so i feel that these three songs are the ones that offer the most poetic and performative content Mm -hmm. and they offer the most for discussion kind of like the egyptian god cards if i had to at any rate the song itself it's just a light piano a kick with some vocals over it and the vocals that we got on count me out. If you remember those vocals, they come back in on this, the store it's uh, storytelling and very confessional. The only like real criticism like that I would say that it did badly was it was difficult to follow the story, but that might've been intentional to intentional mm-hmm. because on every listen, I found myself wondering what actually happened. And the, mm-hmm. the delivery is fine. It's typical Kendrick. He does the same, like starting off quiet and then getting louder and louder as the music gets louder and louder. So a lot of artistic value, this is still going to be a skip for me. I think for all three of the, the more spoken word, open mic type songs, they all have been skips. However, this has a lot to offer. And if there's this story is dense, there's a lot to unpack here, I'm sure. So that's all I'll say about that. Alan. Yeah, I I don't want to spend even too much time on this. I I just want to say that everything you said, Mark, I, I really agree with. It's it's really hard to even talk about what the song is about with mm-hmm. like sexual abuse, especially sexual abuse in the black community, and how much like you know Kendra talks about his mom having to deal with it in Chicago. Talks about how he. He kind of leaves it ambiguous about whether he himself was sexually abused by his cousin. He says, yeah, I, I never yeah. lied. Yeah. What was it? Family ties. They accused my cousin. Did he touch you, Kendrick? Never lied. But no one believed me when mm-hmm. he said he didn't. So he's saying that every that, you know, every rapper, like people in the black community are really affected by this. He views it as a generational curse, mm-hmm. you know, and like for Kendrick talking about this and bringing it to the forefront is what is how he's going to, how he's going to break that curse, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's, there's a really powerful part. I think it's verse, the end of verse three. So he says this post-traumatic black families and sodomy today is still active. So I set my, I set free myself from all the guilt I thought I made. So I set free my mother from all the hurt that she tilted shame. So I've set free my cousin chaotic from my mother's pain. 
I hope Hakeem made you proud because so you ain't die in vain. So I set free the power of Whitney. May she heal us all. I set free our children. May good karma keep them with God. Mm-hmm. So I set free the hearts filled with hatred. Keep our bodies sacred. As I set free all you abusers, this is transformation. So mm-hmm. for me, like the end of verse three is where Kendrick really breaks that curse. This mm-hmm. thing that's been this generational traumatic force going on in his family and really everyone involved with this black culture that he's been talking about through this whole album mm-hmm. just really fucking powerful to me and i i know that we're having very mixed opinions on this album i even am having more mixed opinions on this album than i than i really ever have on any kendrick album in terms of just like how fun is it to listen mm-hmm. to but please do yourself a favor and listen to listen to especially the second half of this album mm-hmm. and draw your own opinions from it because it's not bangers, but it's, this is some really powerful stuff for me. And I think it's really brave of Kendrick to address it this way. And that in the same way, we kind of, we talked about the use of the word faggot in the last song, I think addressing the sexual abuse and like getting past that curse means acknowledging it means mm-hmm. talking about it. And so I think for Kendrick, for, for him to ever break past the power that these like negative cycles have, you have to bring them to the light. And yeah. I think in, in our artistic sense, that whole thing I read about how he's setting free his wife, he's setting free his mother, he's setting free baby Keem and even the abusers in the end of verse three is to, to me, that's the like ultimate resolution of the album. It's, mm-hmm. it's the payoff. It's the curse has been broken. Like, I and not to say Kendrick thinks that this is going to stop with the song or that he's ever going to like really escape his trauma 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a really really cool first step for Kendrick to acknowledge that's how we as the people are going to move past this. Um you've got to bring some yeah. light to confront it. Yeah, and so, yeah, I I just I really can't say enough. I think if you're somehow listening to this podcast and you haven't heard this album, I I really think you should. Yeah, um, I definitely think the that's where. So I mean, the first long I've been talking about, I've been talking about Kendrick as a prophet. Alan, that part you read right there, I I mean, I can't think of an entire piece that's more of a prophetic, like sounds more prophetic than I set a free myself from jail. I set free my mother. I set free my cousin. Like that sounds preacher. That sounds prophet. You know, I set free all you abusers. This is transformation. That literally sounds like Jesus, though. <laughs> like, like quite literally. Yeah. So it's just like it's just like this is like this is Kendrick really in his type of like, yeah, kind of prophet shit. And like he even like he keeps his voice vocal incredibly quiet and sensitive the entire song until this very end part where he goes and you know as I said free as I said free amps it up amps it up, and then yeah the I set free all you abusers is like. It's, it's, it's tough because once again, you have Kendrick Lamar on this album, or not Kendrick Lamar, you have Kodak Black on this album. Um, he talks about R. Kelly and all this shit. Um, and it's this thing where it's just he, and now the more I think about it, this makes more and more sense why he loves Exorcist and Tossion. Because like that kid was literally the perfect example of like hurt people hurt people. Like the, you read the kid's early story and he just, the abuse he went through was incredible as a child. And like just the trauma he went through growing up as this young 
black kid in Florida and she was going through and then finally was kind of able to make it out and create something beautiful out he was but still had this dark really dark past following him from things that hurt him and then what he did to other people in turn because of that um and yeah like obviously so it makes more so sense especially if this was a topic of his next album it makes so much more sense now why Kendrick was like really attached to that uh kid and so yeah this is this is to me, this is the culmination of the album. This is the peak, whatever it's called. Um, I mean, and the he, yeah, I mean, we don't even, I don't have time to really get into all this shit, but yeah, like the first verse, he just talks about, you know, mother cried, put the hands on her, it was family ties. I heard it all. I should have grabbed the gun, but I was only five. I still feel it weighing on my heart, my first tough decision, you know, someone putting hands on his mom and he feels like he should have grabbed the gun at five years old, you know, like, you know, and he just goes deeper and deeper um, to uh, black families watching our mothers and sisters get raped and having us like, rape each other and like, you know, forcing us to watch and like all this, like he is just getting so fucking deep in all this shit. And he talks about having to go through the shit and he's like, mother, I did this shit sober. You know, I did this without, you know, drugs and all this or whatever. But he's like, that's not the norm, you know, obviously like in my community, we drink ourselves and smoke ourselves to death and all this shit because, you know, we are just trying to find a way to cope with all this incredibly horrible shit that we've been carrying on our past. And he's like, and it's not that Kendrick, like, just as a quick interjection mm-hmm. here, it's not that Kendrick puts himself as superior in any way that he did it sober. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about how it just, I, I mean, about how him banging the white women was kind of his, yeah, the way he did it. And just <laughs> being a rapper gave him the opportunity to cope in that way. Mm-hmm. where like most most men don't just have that opportunity where drugs and alcohol more are readily available you know mm-hmm. yeah and you know and you as you mentioned the whole thing with the whole uh kendrick did he touch you you know i told him he didn't but they never believed me um and like and like if you would have said that once i would have been like huh oh that's crazy but he says it like he he gives multiple instances of like him saying that of like I told him again he didn't touch me but they didn't believe me and then that like after that like second third time is when I started thinking like oh shit like it's Kendrick actually trying to say like you know I I I tried to tell him it didn't happen but like it actually did happen to him like he doesn't he does not make it clear at all um he really interesting yeah he keeps it very very um I can't think of the word but yeah up to your interpretation of like whether it actually happened to him or not um well if you want to extend with the whole like it'd be interesting to see how many times he does it because if he does it three times then he might be implying that he was lying yeah and that's what that's what i'm wondering yeah that's what i'm thinking is like is he implying that he was lying and that's personally that's kind of how i'm taking it he's implying that he was lying that like no i i kept kept trying to tell him he didn't touch me you know yeah how Um, many times did he deny it can um, anyone remember off top uh i'm looking at the lyrics right now um so at least once twice so he says cousin twice yeah so he says that d touch kendrick never lied no one believed me he says it once he says it twice uh okay might only say it twice Okay. And the other the other thing that I was thinking is Kendrick might also not really even remember because a lot of childhood sex abuse gets like re- 
repressed yeah. memories. Mm-hmm. So I, that's one thing that I'm kind of wondering too, is does Kendrick not really, really it's, even know, yeah. does he have a suspicion that maybe it did happen and that he does have a repressed memory? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all he remembers had... saying no. Is that, or is all he remembers telling his mom, no, nothing happened, but does he not remember the actual event? Like who knows? Like, yeah, it is up to, it is up to interpretation, but I don't think that, I don't think it's just as clear as his cousin never touched him like and i don't think kendrick wants it to just be Be that easily no yeah also beth gibbons on the chorus like the the part she sings right before like in between the verses i wish i was somebody anybody but myself i wish i was somebody anybody but myself her voice is fucking perfect it is so perfect for this song and for this it's like it's like heavenly it just sits right where it should be um I know uh, I don't I don't know if you guys watch this always sunny in Philadelphia, but um, it's usually a comedy or a pretty offensive comedy. But they have a really 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 beautiful episode where one of the characters comes out as gay, and like instead of like being a comedic episode, they make it a really dramatic moment at the end of the episode and the character's laying in this woman's arms as she's telling him it's gonna be okay and she's like, kind of like caressing him and this is what her singing sounds like to me it sounds very like motherly very heavenly very like i'm kind of like watching over you i'm here for you type shit and it's just like dude yeah just the way the way they put this song together to me is just like it's like it's 10 out of 10 dude like this is like how i feel kind of about the purple butterfly and like an album i kind of feel like about this in a song like it's just like like they just they like meticulously everything was perfect every there wasn't a line out of place there wasn't a word out of place like everything feels like it was exactly where it should have been and yeah i don't know this is definitely a powerful song as milo mentioned like i like how you mentioned it too like the three epistles of the album i love that phrasing but um yeah i just described it most like the three kind of really dramatic play see this is where i think kendrick really is at his well at least on this album this is where kendrick is at his best it's in these kind of like play screenwriting type performances where he's very performative but not all the time like on damn with dna i thought his best one is when he was rapping at the end of the song dna you know i thought uh on other songs it's like best when he's spitting so like this really just shows how multi-talented this motherfucker is, is that like he could impress you in so many fucking different avenues of his skill set. Um, but yeah, that's Mother Eye Sober. I personally kind of wish it would have ended on that, but there is one more song um, to the album, um, which is... Mirror. Mirror. Uh, Milo, you want to talk about that? I really don't have much to say about it. I just have elevator music written i i agree with you i think that it should have i did say that mother i sober is a skip but that's through a different lens i do i still think the song has really powerful artistic value and especially since he does in mother i sober starts off quiet and then gets louder and louder as the music gets louder it would have been perfect for the for the to be the last track that would have been a very memorable outro to end the album on that but this this honestly sounds like mirror the the actual final song mirror it, it honestly sounds like elevator music. Like, okay, yeah. show's over now. Everybody's getting up, grabbing their popcorn buckets, and heading out of the theater. Yeah, I agree. Alan, yeah, I, uh, I, I think Mirror holds a much more important place on the album for me, and I think ending on Mother I Sober would feel. I mean, 
Mother I Sober is easily a much more powerful, impactful song, I think, just straight up uh, to do. But to me, so much of the album thus far has been Kendrick not wanting to feel like so much of the spotlight was on him and not wanting to feel like he's this amazing savior, which I think if he ended on Mother I Sober, people would maybe like this album even more. But I don't think that's what Kendrick wanted. Kendrick wanted to leave leave the last thing from Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers as I chose me, I'm sorry. I chose me, I'm sorry. That he could have put this really last powerful song on the album, but then everyone's going to view him as like, oh, and then did you see how he ended it? Just like solving the solving the problem of sex abuse in the black community. Mm-hmm. Like that's... Like the whole another important aspect to this album is how much Kendrick is not trying to be that person and he's not trying to have these massive expectations. And I think for Kendrick to end it on just saying, like, I chose me, I'm sorry, I'm I'm the same as everyone else, I think is a really important reminder coming after such a grandiose, powerful song as Mother I Sober. Um I get what you guys are saying because I don't think the songs is good either, but it's it's important for me and yeah, that's that's it. I I I enjoy it more than you guys do. Mm. I completely understand where you guys are coming from. Yeah, um, I understand needing another song after by that sober. Like ending on that would be a little crazy, but I just feel like this wasn't it. That's all. Like. Um... Yeah. Uh, so that is the album. Um... Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, overall, um, like I said, I still, at, at, after reviewing this, I still do believe this is my least favorite Kendrick album. Um, it's not for content, though-wise. Um, I will say, even thematically, though, it's still not my favorite. But uh, it's definitely not for thematics by any means. It's really just sonically. Like, I felt like this was a big messed up sonically. Um, I felt like uh i felt like at one point he kind of forgot he was a rapper um which kendrick (laughs) is a great musician and he can make all kinds of different music but and he incorporates a lot of different music into his you know art but like or drums into his music but his best skill I mean, it is storytelling, I would say. So, which is why the performance pieces were the best, in my opinion. And I think a lot of us would agree. But um, his skill is still definitely also as a rapper. Like, he is an incredibly good rapper. And I can't think that at one point during this entire review, did any, that a single one of us ever go, bro, the white Kendrick rapped on that verse right there? Or bro, the fucking uh like like lies, he's just like back to back to back, like the way he said that, or, like the way he did, like not one point, not at one point in the album that any of us ever talk about like how dope the rapping was that he was doing. And to me, for the best rapper in the game, that's a fail. I could think of a, whether it's good kid Mercedes, damn. I titled a master, a bit of a butterfly on each one of those albums. There's at least a couple songs where it's just like, yo, this motherfucker is spitting. He's fast, whatever. On this album, there was like, I think he kind of just forgot he was a rapper and felt like he needed to like, just speak to the people, which I get. You do need to speak to the people, but you also need to deliver it in a method 
that is pleasing to their ears for them to accept it. Even though the butterfly had a great message, if it was sonically shit, it wouldn't have gotten anywhere. And so same with Good Kim at City and all those other projects. And I'm not saying this is sonically shit, but I'm saying it's not up to those qualities sonically, in my opinion. Um, I felt like sonically, he because he just felt like he had a message to say, and like maybe he's already up there. Maybe he, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to think he said he didn't put effort, but I don't know. To me, it's just sonically, it was a miss, um, even though on everything else and like storytelling and you know whatnot and theme wise and what he had to say like i mean i i think what he had to say was more important than what he had to say on you know damn or shit like that but yeah sonically this was a misstep in my opinion um i'm still hyped for whenever his next album is especially since it's going to be his first album now off of tde so i'm curious what he's going to be doing now with that um but yeah this kind of reminds me of when j cole dropped for your eyes only, where he kind of forgot he was a rapper and just dropped a bunch of low ballads to some person or whatever. And so, yeah, I understand why that might be cool to some people, but I like Kendrick Lamar, the rapper. So, Alan, thoughts? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. He ends he ends the song, the album on a song called Mirror, because I think what you bring to this album and what you're kind of expecting out of this album is going to play a huge part in whether or not you like it, whether or not you respect, expect, respect it artistically, and that what the listener brings to it is going to determine a lot of what they think and how they would like, if they want to rank Kendrick albums, how they're going to rank them. It's kind of, are you coming in with the perspective of, I want a rap album? In which case, you're probably not going to like this as much as Good Kid, Mad City, right? Or, or do I want a, do I want like a really ambitious jazz-focused meditation on what it means to be a black person in America today? Well, you're probably not going to like that as much as To Pimp a Butterfly. Something that's just like Kendrick being as honest as he can be and you want Kendrick to be as real as he can be, then I think Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers has a lot to offer you. And uh, so if you told me that this is your least favorite Kendrick Lamar album, I, I completely don't blame you because you want Kendrick Lamar's music. You want the guy who could like, who could make Black of the Berry, but also the guy who can make Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. And that's, and, and that's fine. If, but, but to me, this is <laughs> to me. Kendrick approached this album, and he heard what Outcast was saying when he, when Outcast said, "On hey, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to listen to the words, you just want to <laughs> dance." Like Kendrick, Kendrick heard that, and I think this is Kendrick's response to to Andre three thousand saying that. That like <laughs> at a certain point, Kendrick just has to get up, get out there, and just fucking say his truth. And that's something that I respect so fucking much. But but, you know, in five years, like, I'm not going to be listening to this as much as Good Kid, Mad City. Like, I, I, I know that. I know that. And, and, and that's fine. I really respect everything Kendrick did on this. It's, like, obviously, it's going to have to take some time to stew on, like, where I would rank it in his albums. But very easily worthy of being called, like, a Kendrick Lamar album. I probably... I probably put this ahead of damn already and section 80, if I'm being honest, but, um, 
yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Everything like I'm going to continue to like listen to this. I'm going to continue to like, I feel take more out of it as the time goes on. I think that we're going to keep finding more and more in Mr. Morale and the big steppers. So yeah, like I said, you could tell me anything you think about this. And I think that would be fine. Milo. So I, I don't really have much more to add to the uh, opinions of my co-hosts. I think pretty much covered everything. And obviously the album is out there for people to listen to themselves. This is a, a very different, different Kendrick Lamar album. I think it's more along the lines of To Pimp a Butterfly and its performativeness and I think even though I wasn't the hugest fan of To Pimp a Butterfly, that it's better than Mr. Morale. So, and I, I'm, I was kind of unclear. Are we doing this by Sarmeter right now or? Uh, I was just giving my kind of conclusion on. Okay. Cause when yeah, you said. I mean, we still, both, we still can. Yeah. yeah. We still going to. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. Right. At the end I was like, okay, so is that spicy? You go ahead and start your spiceometer though. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, borrow some Allen energy on this one. I think that trying to weeble wobble and give a kind of spicy in this instance would be a cop out. And I have to just be honest with how I how I feel when people have asked me about this album, what I've told them and to stay consistent. This album's not spicy. I think that this album has a lot. To, so I, I say it's not spicy, but I say that with an instruction. Listen to this album. And I'll close with this. I'll just make an analogy to the Bible. You know, everybody loves the Gospels. That's the exciting part. You get to see the miracles. You get to see Jesus, the crucifixion there, Easter, whatever, da-da-da. And then there's Chronicles. Both are revealed word. Both are inspired word. Both have value. But I'd rather read the Gospels than read Chronicles. And that, that's how I feel about this. Excellent artistic value. Very edifying. Please listen to this. But in terms of spice, I've, I'm flipping over to the New Testament. If we're going to continue the the Jesus metaphor off the album cover, can I can I ask you a question? Did you like this more than Revolutionary Volume Two by Mortal Technique? No, actually, I thought about that. I the preachy oh, cousin. If I had to listen to a preachy person at the cookout, I'd rather listen to a Mortal Technique. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad that, damn, that was, I'm actually kind of happy that you said that, that <laughs> you feel good about picking that album. I'll go, this is, this is a spicy, this is, like I said, this is a worthy Kendrick Lamar album, um, but not to take away from anything Milo said, because that's all true. Not everything is a banger on this, but please listen to this. This is a very spicy for me. Mark? Um, this is a, I still guess it's spicy. Like I guess we just have different different what we believe spicy to be spicy. I I, I take more of like not listenability, but like what is it doing? Like is it reaching? Is it breaking some boundaries? Is it doing something? It's like whatever you know. So like this definitely gets a spicy for me. Um, you gotta listen to this. You know, even with all my criticisms, even with me putting it as like my worst Kendrick Lamar album, it's still very spicy, bro. Like his whole discography is five flames all around you know and so um yeah you know especially for the three performative tracks uh and actually my i like how you could put this to put a butterfly like if we had to like now section out 
Kendrick Lamar's albums, I definitely would put Pippa Pe- Butterfly and Mr. Miranda Big Steppers, which actually now think about it, both of them have titles that sound like fucking plays, <laughs> but like, um, or movies, but like, uh, yeah, like I would put those in like a section like of like his, his dramas or like his, his, uh, his, I don't know, whatever's. Uh, and then like, damn, in section 80, I would put definitely in more of like, a, just like a listenable music. And Good Kid My City, I'd possibly throw in there too, but it's kind of like in the middle. I feel of both. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. One thing about Dam is there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting stuff on Dam about how, about Black people as the, like that message from his cousin, like generationally cursed. As generationally cursed. cursed. And that's why I thought it was a really interesting throwback yeah. for him to talk about, like, breaking this generational curse that literally his cousin called him about on the last album mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy it's crazy how you, you you just see that process continuing and now how he wraps it into like because at no point in that album though did he bring up anything of like childhood boy well, on fear on fear he talks about childhood abuse but like not in the same way he does on this album not yeah not yeah this, it's, it's, it's very different yeah. he more so talks about it in just a sense of like just like being black growing up is tough like you know oh a lot of shit you gotta deal with it's this is scary childhood um whereas this album so what, breaks down into way more so real quick the thing that mark i forget what you were saying that really made me think about this but it, it was an interesting comparison about how on good kid mad city kendrick talked about how much he doesn't like he doesn't like smoke weed that much because mm-hmm. he one time got a blunt that was laced and mm-hmm. then he was foaming at the mouth mm-hmm. and then he ends good kid mad city with the song Com- compton where he talks about king kendrick lamar that he is this new this new king and for him to over the 10 years since good kid mad city has come out end with mirrors where he wants to leave the impression that he is not king kendrick mm-hmm. you know He's gone from this like good kid trying to make it in the mad city who's not doing drugs, who's trying to like become the king of Compton to now, you know, he made the the album that changed the world to Pimp a Butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. Then he made Damn and that was still fire. And then in the time since, his his like clout and his prominence in rap has has become the the good kid yeah. from the mad city. He is King Kendrick Lamar. You know, and it's just interesting to hear how much 10 years older Kendrick wants to, mm. like, doesn't want that role. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. It. I didn't even think about that, you dude. Know? You're so right. Like, he spent so long trying to claim his kingship. Well, not long time. Like, he did it pretty fast. But, like, that's what he did early on. Fucking remember the control verse? That's all anybody talked about for a whole year was that control yeah. verse where he literally disses every other i mean he doesn't really diss them but he just goes at every other rapper he saying he calls them out yeah. he calls them out he calls other rappers out by name saying all oh, you guys i'm better than every fucking single one of you i love all of you bobby brothers but on this rap shit y'all don't compare to me i'm on a different fucking level you know i'm king kendrick you know and at the end of that bt freestyle in 2013 he raised like dissing all these rappers he's like yeah me king kendrick and he, he constantly is referencing this king kendrick that i'm on top of the rap game and I think he knew he would be on top of the rap game, but or like he wanted that, but like it's bigger than the rap game now, dude. Like he like I went to Pippa Butterfly, he really became a social icon. Like 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 Drake is is like big and like but like he's not 
and like he's like celebrity big and people might know drake more than kendrick lamar but like he's still like celebrity big whereas like Ken- kendrick lamar is kind of like also known as like like people are going to remember him for like doing shit in like culture whereas like yeah. drake is just going to be like oh he was a really fun musician that like everybody listened to you know um so yeah i don't know to me it's just gonna be like he's just he got bigger than i think he ever really thought he was gonna get and now he has to like climb himself down and be like yo you guys i'm hold up <laughs> you know um and this because this is the first time he's done that which is crazy like every this entire time it's been going up and so this is the first time he's like hey hey you guys need to i'm, I'm not your god Okay, calm down. You never heard Drake have to say that, you know. <laughs> you never heard any of these other rappers say like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." Hold on. <laughs> well, Tyler, Tyler kind of did that at one point because kids are crazy, but yeah, fucking Kendrick Lamar. All right, y'all. Um, two tracks for the playlist. Oh yeah, two tracks, two tracks, two tracks. Um, fuck. I mean, if I pick the best ones, it's gonna be all really dramatic though. So I'm gonna do. Imagine Mother I Sober being on a playlist, just going through random songs, Drake, Nav, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> just Mother I Sober. <laughs> mother, mother I Sober and We Cry Together. Oh, God. Um, I like United in Grief. So I would say United in Grief, the intro. And uh, the best songs are the dramatics. Like, fuck it. Like, United in Grief and Mother I Sober. Bugging. <laughs> well milo what you want you gotta get people to actually want to listen to this album uh <laughs> so here's the thing rich spirit and savior and i'd be willing to change rich spirit to n95 since i know y'all really love that one oh, so God, much process. do you guys not think that father time is the best banger you know what actually rich uh i changed yeah die hard no, not die hard savior and father time because that neat no chaser, neat no chaser. So horrible though. This is a horrible. And then I love the, I love Kendrick on the breath of yelling voice. I love when he does that. <laughs> so yeah, Father Time and Savior, for me. Okay, so I'm definitely with you on Father Time. What were your two, Mark? Uh, most of our United in Grief and Mother I Sober. Okay, I don't, yeah, I don't want to put Mother I Sober. <laughs> it's like, it's the best so, song. <laughs> no. It's... But, no, I, I think Mother I Sober, like, should be, should be, like, first heard in the context of the album. So I'm just going to actually fully simp for Milo. And <laughs> I'm going to go with Savior. Yo, we need a and... fan simp for Milo t-shirts, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I only simp for Olivia Munn. Kendrick Lamar, Milo, <laughs> and maybe a few old Giants pitchers. Texting with but. Olivia Munn. Hopefully, she'll give me some. Hey, Donald <laughs> Glover, baby. Yeah. Also, Mac Miller. But, <laughs> okay, so Savior and Father Time. I'll map to playlist. My birthday is fucking May 9th. Ooh, it is ooh. now May 30th. And I've been feeling like it's been good because we've been feasting on good rap over the past month. May is when the Taurus has come out. And as you know, we are incredibly talented. 
and MGK? yeah, so next week. Okay, they're they're <laughs> releasing it for us Tauruses because <laughs> we are in Taurus time right now. And oh, another album that was released, 2017, Taurus Era May, for Eva's a mighty long time by Big Crit. It's a double album from Atlanta. It is somehow a mix of trap and I think like really good just good fundamentals old school hip-hop it's influenced by outcast it's it's great I think Milo I have high hopes that you're actually going to like this one forever's a mighty long time big crit next week I'm so excited bye peace all oh.